Now, I just want to introduce the folks up here. Um, I'm just going to start with Brian because people would have wondered who you are uh, when you kind of got up and started doing ministry. And Brian, you lead a church in Oklahoma, a vineyard church with your wife, Janine. Yes, I do. And, um, and one of the things that I think some of folks here may have seen you um, on the, one of the kingdom uh, modules, the uh, practicing the kingdom, was it? Demonstrating the kingdom. Demonstrating the kingdom, and they would have seen you on that. So, so that's who you are. Let's give Brian a big round of applause for being with us, coming over specifically to encourage us. Andy Smith, uh, you're planting, you have, you have a wonderful church in Belfast, which you lead with Harmony, and you also lead Ireland as a region, and you're one of our vineyard leadership groups. So we're thrilled that you're here, and um, I'll just come back to ask you a bit about, and, and then we have Kate Newman. Oh, give Andy a big round as well. And, um, and then we also have uh, our wonderful Kate Newman. And Kate, you were planted out of, yes, you were planted out of Leeds, and you and Ben went up to Edinburgh to plant a church up there. You've been planted for about how many years? Two years. And, um, and Kate is uh, known for loving to go out and really impart blessing through the prophetic, especially, but I'm sure there's lots of others. So we're here to talk about doing this stuff. And what an amazing encouragement we've just received by watching uh, John and, uh, sorry, Carol and Bob and Penny and all those snippets. And I just want to applaud the team that put that film together. Just bless you guys. Bless you guys. But pulling that together, absolutely wonderful, uh, amazing. So I hope I can get through this interview. So just first of all, I'd love to ask you, and I, I just, I'll, I'll start with, um, with you, Brian. Just want to ask you, how did you kind of get into this, the doing the stuff? Because you really do press into it. How did you get into this? Yeah, so I uh, stumbled into the vineyard um, and found a home, found a family. I mean, the first conference I walked into I mean, the presence and power of God came on me in such a, a powerful way. And I was like, what is this uh, vineyard thing? And I started hearing about John Wimber and all these things. And so we found a, a local vineyard church, and uh, they began to teach us about doing this stuff. And I was like, doing this stuff, what does that mean? That we can learn how to hear God's voice for ourselves, for others, to pray for the sick, to cast out demons. And I was just awestruck that this is what Christians get to do. And so we began to see uh, things happen uh, in the church. But my heart longed and beaded for, like, if this is good here, it has to be even better out there. And there's a whole story behind that. But um, that's how I kind of got started was just, the, just seeing the hunger and, and seeing normal, everyday people do this stuff. It gave me permission to do this because I, uh, you know, I wasn't born with a, you know, a spiritual birthmark on my butt that said, you're a prophetic voice of the nations. <laughs> You know, I was just a, a normal guy and just heard that God wanted to use ordinary people. Yeah. And Andy, what about you? How did you kind of come into all this stuff? I grew up in a church that uh, was nothing like this, <laughs> nothing like what we saw uh, a few moments ago and uh, ended up stumbling in university into a crazy church called The Vineyard in Evanston near Chicago and uh, started to hang out with Steve and Cindy Nicholson and their wonderful church saw the ministry's Holy Spirit happening, um, but didn't think I could do that. And then I got asked to go on a ministry trip with Steve to Ireland, of all places, and turned up, and uh, we were sitting there about to do a conference, and I just said, Steve, what's going to happen here at this conference? And he said, well, we're going to worship a bit, and I'm going to stand up and preach about healing the sick and prophecy. 
and then you're going to get up and do prophetic words. And I said, Steve, I don't know how to do that. And he said, you better start listening to God then. And then he got up and started the meeting. And then when I, if I had been in the United States, I would have ran. Because I was in Ireland, I didn't know where to even go. So I was stuck there and terrified. And then, true to his word, he just stood me right up there and away we went. That's how I got into it. Precious. And Kate, we'd love to hear, how did you kind of get into all this? Well, um, probably like most people in this room, learned about the Holy Spirit in a small group, you know, in my local church. And then about 14 years ago... Um, Oh, just the Holy Spirit started speaking to us about church planting. And um, I was talking to him one night, you know, oh, church planting, church planting. And um, the Holy Spirit just came with like this rebuke of um, who you're going to worship when you get there. Because I've made church planting the thing, the goal, instead of Jesus. Oh, it was awful. So I, I just laid it down. I was like, I'm so sorry that um, anything else would, even something that appeared so good would get in the way of Jesus. So um Fast forward to, um, oh gosh, about three years ago, four years ago, we were actually at a, a camp and Andy was uh, talking there and Andy was going on about, um, sorry, not going on. You weren't going on. It wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> <laughs> you were doing a great job of um, just saying in our church, we've been praying for people who have um, blueprints. God's been giving them blueprints for their life and would anybody like that? And so um, my husband, Ben, stands up and goes, yeah, 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 I'd like that. And then he gets this blueprint for a church. And we're like, oh, no, I'd, I'd laid this down. You know, um, I, need to hear, I need to hear from the Lord if this is him um, because I don't have permission to do that. And so um, a couple of months later, I was at a, um, just a Northern Vineyard Pastors Day doing my thing, and, um, and the Holy Spirit just landed on me. And eight different people in one morning came up and said, um, I think God's putting church planting on your heart. That thing that you put on the shelf years ago, he's taking that down. Um, so I just knew. And then the thing was, we didn't know where we were going. There was this weird thing about the Celtic lands going on. And, um, and people kept kind of like talking about Edinburgh. And I was like, why would we go there? There's some amazing churches in Edinburgh. Why would, why would the Lord want us there? And I was in our kitchen washing up, just chatting to Ben, didn't even pray it. Um, and I said, you know what, if, um, if God wants us to go to Edinburgh, he's going to have to get Jamie Waters, who was overseeing all the vineyards in Scotland at the time, to come up to us at NLC in two weeks and say, Ben and Kate, you're meant to plant a church in Edinburgh. That was it. Threw it away. And um, we were here in the dangerous cafe um, two weeks later, just having a coffee, and uh, Jamie walks in, taps Ben on the shoulder, this is when my Scottish gets really bad. And he goes, um, Ben, Kate, can I have a word? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so bad, isn't it? And um, he said, I walked in the room and I looked at you two and the Lord said, those two are going to plant a church in Edinburgh. That's so wonderful. Um, so really, kind of your journey to church planting has been like uh, encouraged by the mm. prophetic. But mm. also... Uh, I remember stories way back when you were in Leeds where I remember being so inspired when you would be in a cafe mm. and just start having words for people. Mm. And I'd love to hear from each of you just something, uh, it may not be recent, but an encouraging story. I mean, for you particularly in going out in a cafe, mm. I'd love to just, just share something. It could be recent, it could be one that mm. stands out. Oh, it's just fun, isn't it? Um, so, so one recent one was... Um, 
So a friend of mine in church, Rosie, she was having chats. She's a teacher, and she was having chats with her friend at school, all about Jesus and church. And at the same time, I needed my haircut. So I was like, hmm, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit where he wants me to get my haircut. So um, this picture of this local um, hairdressers came into my, my mind. So I kind of went online, Googled it. And then I thought, oh, 12 different stylists. And it was literally a simple thing of, who do you want me to get my hair cut with? So the name Maxine jumps out. So a couple of hours later, I'm down at the salon. And, um, and I was sitting in the chair. And I said, oh, how long have you been doing this? She's like, oh, da, 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 da. And we got chatting. I end up telling her my story. She says, oh, hang on a minute. Me and my friend have been um, looking for a church for ages. I've got to 22 years old. And I think it's about time that I you know, discovered this stuff. She goes out the back, she comes in, and she says, uh, we're coming on Sunday. So anyways, she comes, and then Rosie and Kat are having their chat as well. And so Ben and I are in our um, kitchen again, and we're saying, we've got Kat, we've got Maxine. I was like, we need to do something with these guys. Maybe we should do an alpha. And I was talking to Rosie about it. I was like, oh, we should do an alpha. Do you think they don't even know each other, though? That's, that might be a bit weird. And then that afternoon... I get a phone call from Rosie and Kat. They're in the, in the car. They're on loudspeaker. And Rosie goes, Kate, 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 Kat's got something to tell you. And then Kat pipes up, Maxine's been my hairdresser for two years. Wow. Since before wow. we planted. How beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, they both came to know Jesus. Too. Oh, that's, 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 <laughs> wow, that's even better. <laughs> Bonus. Uh, so, Brian, just encourage us. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, something, something that, that, that happened. So this morning we were at breakfast and you know, were at the Holiday Inn. And um, so the lady came up to give us some tea. And I, uh, I said, hey, do you happen to have like a pain right here in your neck going down your, like your, between your shoulders? She said, no. And I said, okay. I said, well, do you have pain anywhere in your body? She goes, yeah, my legs really hurt. I said, well, hey, can I see your hand for a second? And she said, sure. So I said, you're going to start feeling a warm, tingling presence going through your body, and the pain's going to leave. And she just looks at me, and she goes, the pain's completely gone. Like, how did you do that? I said, well, that's Jesus. And she said, did, she goes, did my manager set you up to do this? Because she was, like, wanting to go home because she was, you know, and anyway. So I just said, this is the love of God, and he just loves you. And then um, Monday night, we were yeah. here having the pastor's... Um, Supper. Supper, yeah. And, you know, I really believe that God's always moving. He's always at work. And, and we just need to just clue into where he is. And so uh, you were talking, I believe, Debbie, to uh, a couple of the ladies that were catering. And I had a word of knowledge, actually, for, for both of them. And uh, they had a problem with their, with their neck and their back. And so the first lady I asked, I said, do you mind if I just uh, hold your hand for a second? Because she was in pain. And I said, you're going to feel this warmth and, you know, heat. She begins to feel it. She's flipping out. She gets completely healed. And then her friend had the exact same issue. So I said, why don't you do this? You're going to hold her hand. And as you hold her, her hand, you, she's going to feel like a warmth and power go through her body. And that happens. And she, the, the other lady gets healed. And she's not even a believer yet. This is awesome, right? So you're already getting them started into the kingdom, you know, doing the stuff. And so then we prayed for them. I think both of their legs grew out. And then um, by that time, I mean, she was just like in awe. God is real. And so then... Debbie letter to the Lord right there. So <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. It was really wonderful. And before I come on to asking you um, something I want to ask you, Andy, I just want to stop with this scene because when you just first started telling that story, you said, you know, do you have a pain here? And she said, no. So what happens 
when you, you're in that situation and um, how do you cope with it when the person doesn't have the condition or they don't get healed? Good question. So here in the beginning, I used to like really freak out and get nervous. Like, oh man, I'm just like, you know, you have to have it right. You have to hear it right. And, you know, I've heard it right a lot of times and a lot of times I've missed it. So what I've actually, I actually enjoy it now because it's like um, an icebreaker. It's like, you know, to open up to a spiritual conversation because we're like, why would you ask me a question like that? Well, sometimes I get these pictures and impressions for people. Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes, you know, I get it right on. Do you happen to have anything else going on in your life or your body that you need prayer for? So it really opens up. It, so I really enjoy that it's not game over. It's like just another way to approach and talk to somebody. Now, when I'm out in the streets and, you know, I'm praying for somebody and nothing happens, I usually just tell them I'm, I'm a Mormon and I walk away, you know. <laughs> so, no, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> That's a great one. I love, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't do that. No. I, uh, you know, I said, well, let's, can we pray again? And here's the thing that I found really honestly, we see, I'll see more happen outside the four walls of the church than anywhere else. And it's, you know, sometimes we've learned to pray once, twice, maybe we need to pray two or three more times um, in that moment. But here's the thing what I do is I just try to leave the person loved by God, you know, and, and just maybe try to get their information. Can I pray for you again? And I always tell them, I said, listen, God's not mad at you. He loves you. I'm learning how to do this. Um, and sometimes, you know what I do? I just weep with those who weep. I just really uh, try to give them dignity. And I'm like, I understand you're going through pain. Let's just, and I just hold them and we just cry. You know, because it's really about love. It's not about getting a story. It's not about getting a testimony. I mean, Jesus had a people ministry, right? I mean, that's a value that we have in the vineyard that people are people and that we need to love them and love them well. And so, um, and, and you know what? There's a healing that comes in that area too, right? We're always thinking about just the physical healing, but what about just the, the emotional or the psychological or the social stuff that's going on? Just, you know, literally just touching somebody, when you, they give you permission, you know, but, uh, you know, or just being, just noticing them, just being, that, there's a lot of healing in that, noticing people. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Andy, something encouraging that's, that you can share with us. Sure, from, this is a story from December, just, just gone. Uh, a friend of mine, a uh, leader in our church, is also a teacher in a school, and she was in the staff room, full staff room, and uh, a person who, it's also a teacher in the same school and would have been a really vocal atheist and quite critical of her in particular. She knew she's a Christian and you know how it goes. And uh, she, this other uh, woman was in the staff room and kind of tying things up because she had been diagnosed with something really wrong with her vertebrae and wastage in her cartilage in the, between the vertebrae. I don't really know what that all means, but maybe you doctors do. Anyway, she's in excruciating pain constantly and they were signing her off for four to six months off of work, complete rest. And, uh, but basically, their outlook was like, you're, you're going to be dealing with this for the rest of your life. You can't exercise, and you may not be able to work. And that was her. She was emotional and kind of processing that information in the staff room, full staff room. And so my friend uh, made the courageous statement that, look, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'll be praying for you and thinking of you. And expecting this woman to, like, bite back, because that's what's happened in the past. And 
Um, but the, the woman actually said, just, I'm really so thankful that you would do that, which felt like an invitation to her. And she said, well, actually, I'll just pray for you right now. And so she asked, can I lay my hand on your back? And, and she said, sure. And so she just prayed really simple, as she told me, vineyard-style prayer. And, and um, the woman reported uh, immediate relief of pain. And... Um, the staff had kind of gathered around, so it was kind of a moment. Uh, two people, two other staff members asked for prayer right then and there. And then over the next day, three other ones found her in her classroom, asked her for prayer. Uh, two weeks later, this woman came back and said, I have no pain. I have been trying to process this and tell myself that I tricked myself in believing that I have no pain, but I have no pain. I am coming back to work, and I've been exercising and, and the whole bit. And then um, when she found my friend in their carol service, this big boys' school, and she said, I also need to become a Christian. And they were in, right in the middle of singing all these carols, so all these, you know, hundred and some odd boys, and they're having this conversation. My friend says, well, look, it's kind of crazy right now. Well, it's, I'll, we'll do that later. And she said, no, I need to do that now. And so she led her to faith right there, and for the last number of weeks, she's been in a church, and getting to know Jesus and is healed and exercising and there you go. That's wonderful. Um, you know, uh, one of the sort of dilemmas or one of the things that um, a question that some of us have is um, kind of what's the goal when we're going out and you know we're either healing people or we're leading them to Jesus out there on the streets or in our workplaces wherever we are. Um, some people sort of say, well, you know, just trust the seed, you know, and others, you know, we need to lead them to Jesus or we must get them to church. And it's like, just give me some thoughts for, uh, you know, for example, what, what happens when you give a word, but it doesn't end up with something else? How do you, what do you think about that, Kate? It's okay, isn't it? It's just by being obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And I think the outcome is up to him. So I think it does help if we if the Holy Spirit is leading us to lead somebody to Jesus, that we know how to lead somebody to Jesus. Yeah. And I think if you, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for the sick, that you know how to pray for the sick. But, um, oh, but have I got time for a really quick story on this? Go on then. Um, so I was walking into town and, um, and I felt the Lord say, go and get your nails done. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of course he would. <laughs> no. <laughs> You see, you're judging me before I had never had my nails done before. So I didn't know what to do. So if it sounds like the Holy Spirit, um, it's not something I would normally think. So I went in and I was like, um, can I have my nails done? Um, and I didn't know what that meant. She went, do you want gel? Do you want shellac? Do you want... I was like, I have no idea. Can you just tell me? I ended up getting the most expensive one, obviously. <laughs> and um, anyway, it was, the it was the lady behind me. She just caught my eye. And I was like, it's for her. It's for her. I'm here. So I booked a, um, an appointment with her and then I went in the next, um, for my appointment and she starts telling me all this stuff and how she's got lupus and how, oh, she's got a really terrible background. So I'm there and you put your hands in these things and I'm there <laughs> and I'm like, right in the name of Jesus, I command this lupus to go right now. And uh, nothing happened. Um, that was it until the next day when she messages me through, I left my little card with her, and she messages me through our Edinburgh Vineyard um, Facebook. She said, I, uh, I haven't stopped thinking about you. I slept through for the first time 
um, and my hair's growing back, and da 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 da, da all the rest yeah. of it. Um, she said, can I come to one of your services? So um, she came, um, and we got to lead her to Jesus. But if I hadn't known how to do that, I think it's something about the equipping which just really helps us with these stories. That's amazing. That's wonderful. I love that. Wow. Gosh, I feel like I want to cry. Um, you know, um, we, you all lead churches. Um, how do we keep this going? You know, there's, um, you know, like Sundays, Andy, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, how, or how do we keep it going in the life of the church, the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Well, I think partly it's an acknowledgement that, that this is hard. You know, it takes risk and there's a tension in it. And in other ways, it's easy. You know, when the Holy Spirit just turns up and we're telling his wonderful stories, but we all have stories of failure as well. I think if we're talking about inside the walls of church, um, I, I think it's slightly different. I think one thing, I mistake I made early on is I just tried to load up Sunday morning with more freight than it can actually bear. Mm. You know, we needed a conference environment on a Sunday morning. And, you know, we're all here and we're all fired up. We've been praying and fasting and... You know, you, you know, but Sunday mornings aren't quite always like that, at least not in my church. Um, you know, people are late and, you know, all that stuff, right? Um, or maybe that's just in Ireland. Um, so, uh, you know, I just think we, we can't load up Sunday mornings with more freight than they can bear. We have to think about our church is almost like a mosaic, like a loads of different environments. And we do Holy Spirit ministry, might do them differently in different environments. And we need to train people to do it differently in different environments and to not put too much pressure in one spot and also learn to celebrate. Like we've had Sunday mornings where it has felt like the worst Sunday in the history of Sundays in our kind of adults part of the gathering. But we've had a bunch of children come to faith in children's ministry. And we can either see that as a, you know, they're winning and we're losing or like, like the Holy Spirit turned up and amazing things happened and, and just learn to celebrate the entire mosaic. Um, and then I would just say the, th that takes time to build Holy Spirit ministry in a bunch of different locations, plus uh, equipping people to go and take it with them wherever they're going to be, you know, Monday to Saturday. So that's one thing I guess I'd say. Really helpful. You know, with the kind of... Um the sort of seeker-sensitive um, move that happened some years ago, it felt like some churches started to, maybe not here in the UK, but maybe around the world, um, not do ministry opportunity for people to respond, come forward for words of knowledge, or have any sort of prophecy in the church, that sort of thing. Um, what is, what's that like in, in your environments? Do you still have opportunity for prayer at the front? or? Yeah, yeah we... We never want to back off of that or apologize for that. We really try and explain it when stuff starts to happen. And, um, you know, I think we can do wild things if we explain them well. And we just need to make them slightly accessible. So every Sunday morning, prayer ministry, uh, where anything might happen, uh, that's always a non-negotiable plus. Uh, the Lord can interrupt the service at any time, and he can break in. And we've certainly had that happen. But there's also no pressure to make that happen every week. Yeah, yeah. What about in your setting, um, Brian? Yeah, so we just always are wanting, making room for the Holy Spirit. We try to, here's the thing, I mean, I'm trying to always encourage this by living it out as a leader, you know, throughout my day. Because I really believe that's kind of the goal. And for it just to happen in our services, I believe it's, what about Monday through Sunday? And so when we come with fresh stories and we're telling people what has happened, 
Um, and I find, you know, if there's someone new in the church that's or come that's from hasn't been church, has lost, whatever, man, they are so hungry for the Holy Spirit. I've never seen it being a put off. I've seen it for being a put off for uh, religious folk that have come from other places. But when someone is just like, they, they're like, wow, this really, God really is real. And so we make lots of opportunities, um, but we just try to keep it as natural and simplistic as possible because we want everybody doing the stuff. And so we'll have times where we'll have ministry teams. And, and oftentimes they'll say, we're just going to have people just start praying for you, you know, around you. Because I want everybody in the game, everybody doing it. Um, and the goal is, again, it's, it's Monday through Sunday living it out. Um, I believe that's where we're to shine the most, right? Mm-hmm. Is to put Jesus on display um, at work as we're going through a drive through as we're going to the movies or wherever we are. That's, that's where we're to put the kingdom on display. Yeah. And so um, how do you kind of make sure that it's not just you doing it, you know, in terms of the culture uh, that your people are doing it? How are you um, facilitating people growing in this? Uh, what, you know, Andy, do you do, you do regular training or? Yeah, uh, the huge mistakes I've made is I stopped training because, you know, uh, you know, we trained our core people and then it just feels a little bit like, Everybody should know how to do this. And I forget that all the new people don't know how to do this. So I would just say train and train and train. And even if you feel bored, uh, you know, don't. I love telling stories. I think we have to be careful with stories, make sure there are stories to tell. Um, and don't be afraid to tell your bad stories. Everyone in my church knows my worst story, which is horrific. Um, but Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> is that a direct order? Do we want to hear it? <laughs> well, maybe it'll lead you to liberation. So I, uh, for a long time, there's a park in Belfast called Ormo Park, beautiful park, and I did a lot of prayer walking, and um, oftentimes I would feel God interrupt me to give me a word for somebody and just approach them, and, you know, sometimes that went well, and sometimes that didn't go so well. Uh, and uh, one of the times it didn't go very well at all was... Uh, it was rainy, and uh, I, I saw a young woman who obviously was a, in a few short weeks about to have a baby. And uh, so I walked up to her, and I, I felt the Lord speak to her that she's suffering from real anxiety about beginning a family, and there's just some stuff going on, and that he wanted to let her know that he was real, and 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 he was carrying her burdens, things, things like that, which I thought was amazing. Who wouldn't want to hear that? And... Uh, and so strange man approaches her <laughs> in uh, this park, and um, I just said, look, I just said, this is what I, I'm a pastor, this is what I feel like the Lord has for you, and she was horrified, and uh, obviously uncomfortable that someone had approached her out of the blue, and she just said, I don't want to talk to you, and uh, please leave. And so I was so flustered, I was expecting, I, I felt the Lord really spoke, and I'm, I think he did. She just was caught off guard by a strange man approaching her in a park, and, uh, which I can really understand. And I was so flustered. I just kind of walked away from her but didn't realize that I was walking into like a playing field that was all fenced off except a gate where she, right where she was. And so I, I ended up walking around, but I was fenced in and just had to keep doing laps until she left. So like I looked even weirder. I approached her with a prophetic word. And then I'm like walking around this cage and didn't leave. And I, uh, yeah. oh, I love it. so everyone in my church knows that story. And hopefully it helps them take a risk because it can't be as bad as that. So there That's you go. Awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's good.
<laughs> Very good. Um, now, in the vineyard, we talk about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And um, just give me some thoughts, some observations with what that very helpful phrase um, and understanding of the kingdom. It's been very helpful, but just some observations in the last sort of years about Yeah, I, I'm actually really grateful for that teaching. Um, and because I think we have to have an understanding where mystery or we don't see things happen, um, you know, is it, is it something, you know, I'm doing wrong or whatever, and we can get this whole messed up thing and we don't even do anything anymore. So when we planted our church, a crazy thing happened. Uh, well, this Lord told us to plant the church during this moment in our life. When my son goes from a, a normal kid to a special needs kid literally overnight after a strep infection hits his brain and um, he has this autoimmune disease and literally he, he can't talk, he can't you know, feed himself. We were told to institutionalize him. My mom gets stage four melanoma cancer. I get a disease called achalasia where my esophagus quits working. And the Lord says, I want you to go up, plant a church, and I want you to pray for the sick like you've never prayed for the sick before. So you talk about being in a dilemma of this. And the Lord said, don't get caught up in the chaos, Brian. You just listen to the commissioning of the gospel and go. And I'd go out and I'd pray for people, and I would see people healed left and right. I'd come home in agonizing pain, watching my son for almost two years on the floor, couldn't speak. Uh, it was a horrible thing. It was really, really difficult. Now, healing happened for me through a surgery. Healing happened through uh, my son with some medication um, and prayer. Now, healing happened for my mom, who was dying of stage four melanoma cancer, through my son, who is sick. We went on a trip, and my mom was like literally skin and bones, wanted to see the ocean, and so we took on our family vacation. Well, she was just so, so much in pain, so we stopped for the evening, and uh, I said, boys, I said, Tyler and my two younger boys, I said, you got to pray for Nana. She's really sick. And I prayed for her all the time, and nothing happened. So my son, Tyler, he gets up, and he looks at her, and he goes, Nana, the cancer is leaving your body right now. You're going to go back to the doctors, and they're going to tell you to get off your medicine, and there's no cancer anymore. Now, when he said that, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's crazy authority and power. But I'm like, what if it doesn't happen? And how is he going to feel? Like, me of, you know, great faith here. Uh, but my mom said she felt something go through her body, but I'm like, okay. So two weeks later, I was at, um, actually, I was at the Anaheim, we were doing a conference there, and <laughs> I get uh, a text from my sister, and she goes, you're never going to believe this. I'm with mom right now. We're getting, she has a routine PET scan, and there's no cancer in her body at all. So. That's amazing. Wow. And Andy, you've, you've recently kind of had further thoughts on this, haven't you? Yeah, I've had the joy of hanging out a little bit with Alexander Venter, who was in Birmingham for a, a conference, and then Jordan Sang, wrote a book called Miracle Work and um, Suffers for Jesus, leading a church in Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> um, and God really used those, uh, those guys, this is last October, just to really provoke me on this. I, you know, when I first joined the Vineyard, um, uh, late 90s, you know, the background I came from, it was all not yet. Like, there was no, nothing to do with already. It was, you know, it was, nothing happened. And uh, when I heard this already and not yet, it was good news. It was like, you mean there's, it can happen now? 
and it like was liberating for me. Um, but then I just have, I realized that over the years that that narrative kind of flipped for me and I began to live more in the area of the not yet and just simply leave it as, you know, if we don't see healing in this moment or whatever, you know, God's obviously not doing that right now and just kind of leave it there. And it began to, I guess, grow as almost like an excuse. Now, I still passionately believe this theology because I think if we depart from the now and the not yet, we can start not telling the truth. You know, because I have people have done their funerals. Yeah. And the Bible says a lot about suffering. Yeah. Mm. And we need to tell the truth. So when we leave that theology and we depart from it, I think we begin to not tell the truth. But um, God just began to stir me and realize I was also um, using just kind of kind of a one-size-fits-all, and began to chat with Jordan, and Jordan sang. He did our Irish Leaders Conference there in October, and he just, you know, just showed me this new paradigm to think about. Instead of it's just either God's doing it now or he's not doing it all, what if it's I could grow in power? Like, I, what if it's not that God's doing it, but what if I could learn to steward the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit better? And not that it's my fault if you don't get healed, but, like, don't ever go there. But what if I could just learn? Or what if I could grow in power and see other things happen? And since I've been journeying that personally, um, I personally have seen more people healed than I can remember, and others in our church have as well. And I just it's been a real stirring for me to actually don't let it just be a clumsy, God's doing it or he's not thing. What if there's something more? What if we could pray again? What if we could press in harder? What are the things I could do in my life to learn and grow and steward this better, not from the place of guilt, but from the place of desire and hunger and longing for more of the kingdom. That's good. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, what I think we want to do now is I think we want to minister and we want to see some people healed. Yeah. Uh, I really feel um, just a real sense that there's going to be people healed in the room today. Um, let's ask the Lord to give us some words. Thank you.